0: Today's scripture reading comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 to 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever.
1: Do you know what I find hard? Maybe you're like me. I can handle taking on a new, difficult project, like something that requires working long hours or developing new skills. And I can handle the pressure of things like a tense conversation or a high-profile event. Do you know what I find far more difficult? Doing one thing and doing it well, not just for days or weeks, but for months, years, and decades. And one of the things that makes this challenging is that there's always the allure of something new. It's much more exciting to start a new job than to think about continuing steadfastly in your career for the next 30 years. And one of the other things that makes that challenging is that even a small pressure, maybe something like a coworker who rubs you the wrong way or a weekly task that you don't enjoy, when you experience even just a small pressure day in and day out, It can wear you down. If you're like me, what's most difficult is continuing along the same old path with diligence and dedication. And yet that's exactly what our passage for today calls us to do. It calls us to continue in the age-old faith. And it warns us of two things that will make that difficult. On the one side, there's persecution for us that may look like the fear of being looked down on or called the bigot. And that day in and day out pressure can wear us down and tempt us to swerve to the left and downplay or compromise our faith. And on the other side, there's false teaching, holding out something new and exciting, promising progress, and it tries to lure us to the right. With these things pulling us in both directions, this passage calls us to continue straight along the same old path. Here's the main point of this passage. In the face of persecution and false teaching, we must continue in the age-old faith. So let's dig into it. The first thing we see is the difficulty of persecution. Look at verse 10. It starts with the contrast between Timothy and the false teachers whom Paul warns him against in the previous passage. These false teachers have denied the faith, but you, however, Paul says, you have followed my teaching and my conduct. But not only that, you have also followed, verse 11, My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra. We can read about these persecutions in Acts 13 through 14. Here's what happened. In Antioch, some of the religious leaders of the city stir up persecution against Paul, and he's forced to flee to Iconium. But in Iconium, some of the religious leaders even try to stone him. And so he flees to Lystra, which is actually Timothy's hometown. But some of the leaders from Antioch and Iconium follow him to Lystra. And this time they succeed. They persuade a crowd to stone Paul and leave him for dead. But when they leave and the Christians in the city gather around Paul, he just gets up and walks right back into the city. Can you imagine? And imagine being Timothy. Timothy either witnessed these things firsthand or he heard about them from Paul himself or from other firsthand accounts. And Paul reminds Timothy of these things and tells him that this isn't just something that he experienced and isn't just something for which Timothy should be prepared either. Look at what Paul says in verse 12. Indeed, all all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It could be in severe ways like it was for Paul. It's happening in the world today. Or it could be in less severe but still very real ways. When you're open about your faith, you may be gossiped about behind your back. You may be ridiculed. You may miss out on opportunities or even lose your job. The type of persecution varies, but what's common to us all is that all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. Jesus said the same thing. He said, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. The first difficulty this passage warns us against is the difficulty of persecution. The second difficulty is the deception of false teachers. Look at verses 12 through 13. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, here's the second difficulty. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The difficulty is that there are imposters, people who claim to be Christians, but in reality, they're not. And they're trying to deceive us and lure us astray. And there's an irony in the Greek here that tells us a little bit more about the nature of this false teaching. The verb at the beginning of verse 13 means to progress. These imposters were progressing from bad to worse. They think they're progressing, but what they're progressing in is not good, but evil. This is actually the third time that Paul has used this verb ironically to describe the false teachers in this letter. These false teachers were always trying to advance to something new. We're told earlier in verse 7 that those who follow them were always learning something new, but never arriving at a knowledge of the truth. They think they're progressing, but in reality, they're just going from bad to worse. They're deceived, and they try to deceive others. And this is an important warning for us today. Especially in a place like New York City, we value the new, progress. The old is stale. What gets us excited is is not something old, but something new. And there's a danger in that. New can be good, absolutely. But new is not always good. For example, as a society, we're finally coming to see that not all of our recent technological advances bring about good, or at least they don't bring about only good. Our obsession with screens can also foster loneliness and anxiety. Likewise, a new job can be exciting, but it doesn't always bring about a better quality of life. We need to be on guard against the allure of the new, against our tendency to view anything new as progress. We can be deceived into thinking that something is progress when it's not. And in the case of theology, new is certainly not good. I'm going to make a uh, a slightly nerdy reference here, but one that I think the Apostle Paul would be happy to hear. Uh, Charles Hodge, arguably the greatest American theologian of the 19th century, famously said about Princeton Seminary, where he taught. He said, I'm not afraid to say that a new idea never originated in this seminary. And this is an academic. Usually it's their job to advance new ideas. His point is that at a time when other theologians were attempting to reimagine Christianity, denying things like the resurrection of Christ and the God-inspired nature of Scripture, thinking that what we needed to do is to bring Christianity more in line with modern ideas, he affirmed that what we need is not something new, but the timeless truths of God. What brings us life is not something novel, but a further delve into the unchanging truths of our unchanging God. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't discover things that are new to us about who God is. Of course we will. But discovering something is different from inventing something. And refining something is different than throwing it out and starting with something completely different. What we need is not something new, but a greater knowledge of and closeness to our great and loving God. So here's an application. When someone claims to have a fresh new insight about who God is, be cautious about what they say next. When someone tells you to rethink a Christian ethical claim, compare it to what you see in Scripture. It may be true or it may not be. And it's not always obvious because, because remember, these false teachers are deceptive. Discuss it with one of the pastors and with friends whose knowledge of God you trust. And if you're new to Christianity or just exploring Christianity and you don't even know where to start, that's okay. The more you study God's word, the clearer these things become. And the more you make friends with people who are further along in their faith, the more they can help you discern these things. Because of the abundance of false teaching, it will be difficult but through his people and by his spirit, God will lead you into the truth. The first difficulty Paul warns us against is that all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. The second is that false teachers will try to deceive us and lead us astray. So, what are we to do? Look at verse 14. This is the main point of this passage. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. That is the word of God. With persecution on one side and false teaching on the other, we must continue in what we have learned. In contrast to the imposters who claim to be progressing to something new, we must continue in what we have already learned. And while the threat of persecution can tempt us to downplay or or compromise, even change our beliefs to fit something that is more agreeable to our culture, we must continue steadfast in what we have firmly believed. And this passage gives us three reasons why. Three reasons to continue in the age-old faith. The first is like this. How many of you would seek financial advice from someone who received a massive inheritance but then lost it all due to mismanagement? Anyone? Of course not. We seek financial advice from those who have demonstrated to be good managers of their money. Likewise, we seek career advice from those who have achieved what we want to achieve in our career. We seek wisdom from the wise old sage whose life has proven their wisdom. And when we learn from people like that, it gives us confidence in what we've learned. Their lives give us a reason to trust what they taught us. That's the first reason that Paul gives Timothy to continue in what he has already learned. Look at verse 13. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, and here it is, knowing from whom you learned it. Timothy is to continue in what he has learned because he knows from whom he learned it. And from whom has he learned it? Well, we know who at least three of these people are. We know one of them is his grandmother, Lois. Another is his mother, Eunice. And another one is the apostle Paul himself. And in contrast to the false teachers whom Paul tells us earlier in this passage reveals that they're really just imposters. In contrast to them, the godly character of those from whom Timothy has learned attests to the trustworthiness of what they taught. Like a financial advisor who handles their money well gives us confidence in the advice they give us, so too the godliness of Timothy's grandmother, mother, and the apostle Paul gives him confidence that what they taught him is good and true. So here's one way this applies to you. In the midst of contradictory teachings, one way to discern the truth is by observing the lifestyles of those who teach. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And here's how he tells us to recognize them. You will recognize them by their fruits." If you've learned the faith from godly men and women, let that give you confidence to continue in what they taught you. With false teachers trying to deceive you, the character of those from whom you learned attest to the truthfulness of what they believe. And when persecution pressures you to veer to the other side, like Paul's steadfastness was an example to Timothy, let their faithfulness inspire you towards the same. Now, really quick, some of you might be thinking, well, what if those from whom I learned didn't remain faithful? What if they had a moral failing or left the faith? What if they didn't continue steadfast in the face of persecution? Well, that should give you pause, but it doesn't necessarily undermine everything you've learned for two reasons. First, if you receive financial advice from someone who then goes and loses all their money due to mismanagement, that should lead you to consider if some of the advice they gave you was flawed. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everything they taught you was wrong. Likely there was good advice mixed in with the bad. And the reason why they didn't, or the reason why they lost all the money could have been that they didn't themselves follow the advice that they gave you. Likewise, if you have a friend or a pastor who has left the faith, that should give you pause to consider if some of what they taught you was wrong. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everything that they taught you was wrong. And second, it doesn't need to undermine all your confidence in Christianity because while this is one reason that Paul gives Timothy to continue in the faith, it isn't the only reason. Paul gives us two other reasons, and the last has nothing to do with the character of those from whom Timothy learned, but has everything to do with the character of Scripture itself. Even if those from whom we learned were unfaithful, God is faithful And scripture is breathed out by him. But we'll get to that later. The second reason that Timothy is to continue in the faith is in verse 15. Take a look. Continue in what you have learned, knowing, here it is, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. When people ask me who are the most influential people to my faith, I always tell them that number one is my mom. My dad is also a strong Christian today, but he wasn't yet a believer when I was young. But my mom tirelessly took me and my siblings to church every Sunday, led us in Bible studies every morning, and showed us the love of Christ. More than anyone else, it's because of her that I know our Savior. Like Timothy's mother, my mother instilled in me the truths of Scripture. It's like when you move into a new neighborhood. My wife and I moved about a year and a half ago, and it took a while to learn things like the most scenic route to the park, the best me, and uh, which train to get on to to line up perfectly with the exit at our station. Do you guys do that? Is that just me? Um, It took us a while to learn these things, but eventually it all becomes second nature. Similarly, thanks to my mom, from a young age, I knew my way around the Bible. I became familiar with it and knew and experienced firsthand its goodness and truthfulness. And now today, that is one reason why I continue in the faith. It's like this. Because I'm already familiar with the best bond meet in my neighborhood, I'm not going to be easily persuaded by someone who tries to tell me that there's a better place. Even if someone were to try to bully me to get me to change my mind, it's not going to change my loyalty. Similarly, if you've been acquainted with the Bible from a young age, that can be a reason for you to continue in the faith, in the face of false teaching trying to lure you astray and, and persecution trying to intimidate you to compromise what you believe. If you have a parent or a grandparent who has done that for you, Thank God for that. And thank them. Send them a text or give them a call today and thank them for the reason that they give you to continue in the faith. And if you're a parent, teach your kids the Bible from a young age. According to Jewish custom, Timothy's mother and likely his grandmother in this situation would have begun teaching Timothy at the age of five. And get this. Guess what book of the Bible they started with? Leviticus, with all of its laws about ritual purity. Now, I'll give you permission to start with a different book. The important thing is that you start. It can be difficult, but it was a reason for Timothy and a reason for me to continue in the faith, and it can be a reason for your kids, too. And if you need recommendations for resources, email me or email Jeannie Jew, our Exilic Kids director. I'd be glad to help. The first reason Timothy is to continue in the faith is that he knows from whom he learned it. The second reason is that since childhood, he's been acquainted with the sacred writings. Now, just like the first reason, this reason isn't ultimate. Just because you learned something from childhood doesn't mean it's true. And just because you haven't learned Christianity since childhood doesn't mean that you can't have confidence to continue in the faith. The first two reasons are just supporting reasons for the big reason in verses 16 through 17. This third reason completely overshadows the first two, and this applies to all of us. Take a look. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. In the face of persecution and false teaching, we must continue in the faith most of all because this is nothing less than the very words of God. And again, there's a strong contrast here with the false teachers. There are four contrasts highlighted here. First, unlike the teaching of the false teachers... This is no mere human advice. This is breathed out by God. This is God's own word to you. And second, unlike the false teachers who go from bad to worse, the word of God equips us to grow godlier and godlier. It trains us in righteousness. And third, unlike the false teachers who are always trying to progress to something new, the Word of God is totally sufficient. We don't need to look elsewhere. Look at verse 17. It says All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Word of God gives us everything we need for salvation and godly living. Here, not in something new, here are the very words of God that equip us for every good work. And fourth, whereas the false teachers were deceiving and being deceived, the word of God corrects us. It corrects our wrong beliefs and teaches us the truth. So how do you keep yourself from swerving to the left, being deceived by false teaching? Dive into the word of God. Let it teach and correct you and equip you for every good work. And how do you keep yourself from veering to the right under the pressure of persecution? Come to know and love God through his word. The more you do, the more you become convinced that these are the very words of hope and life, the more you gladly suffer persecution, to even be stoned and left for dead like Paul, then turn on the one who gave himself for you. But here's the problem. It's still a struggle to continue in the faith. In the face of persecution, it's tempting to hide or compromise our faith. At times, we all buckle under the pressure. And in the face of false teaching, it can be hard to discern what's true. And we're easily lured by the flash of something new. To one degree or another, we're all led astray by false teaching. Our weak and sinful hearts are uh, so easily deceived into all kinds of wrong beliefs about who God is and who he has called us to be. Persecution on one side and false teaching on the other, it's hard to continue along the same old path. In one way or another, we all stray. But the good news is, is that even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Though we fail, Jesus Christ was faithful till the end. In the midst of false teaching with religious leaders denying who he was and teaching all sorts of wrong beliefs about who God has called us to be, Jesus stayed the course. And in the face of persecution, with Jesus being arrested, beaten, mocked, and killed, till his dying breath, he remained faithful. And because he died for our sin and rose again from the dead, now nothing can separate us from his love. Though we stumble and fall, He will keep us still. By his word and spirit, he will guard our hearts and minds from being led astray by false teaching. And he will rescue us out of every persecution. Indeed, will rescue us even from death itself. His promise to you is this in the face of persecution and false teaching. He will take you by the hand and lead you in the path to life. Let's pray. God, thank you that although we are faithless, you remain faithful. Thank you for sending your son to live and die so that nothing not tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, not even death can separate us from your love. By your spirit within us, teach and correct us that we might not be led astray, but might come to know and love you more and more each day. And as we do, strengthen us to remain steadfast under persecution, that we might serve you faithfully all the days of our lives. Do this for the sake of your son in whose name we pray. Amen.